Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Village. This is part two of Generations, and we're here. The ladies, like always, Jis Marie Ramos, talking to you, and Kira Kelly. Good morning, ladies. And Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. And we still have the amazing Bev Bonner with us, and mm-hmm. we're here in part two. So, Kristen, what do we have for our village? First of all, this is part two. So if you haven't listened to part one, please go back because yes, yes, <laughs> Bev really is one of the three, uh, all three of our favorite people in the church because she laughs when we call her seasoned. But I mean, I'm there too, Bev. You're just a season ahead of me. But truly that you are juggling so many things. And we talked about that in the first episode, wife, mom, daughter, sister, woman in ministry. She's like the motherhood of encyclopedia. Right. And she's like the... And you were so vulnerable and real with things you do different and struggles and all of that. And yet you are a rock to so many people, but it's not of you. It's Mm -hmm. it's the Holy Spirit's work in your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And that's so evident because you just couldn't do all the things that you do apart apart from him. And so you're such a testimony to our whole church in that. But one of my favorite subjects recently to talk about, and we didn't get to on the first episode, is being a (laughs) grandparent. And so I want to know how many grandchildren you have which I know, but I want our listeners to know. And then how is grandparenting different from parenting? Okay. So Dan and I are super blessed. We have six and we're just hoping and praying for more somehow, (laughs) somehow. But we have six and our oldest is 14. And the youngest is going to be a year old in December. So a pretty good stretch. And we just enjoy every single stage that they're in. And I love that. So how it's different is, you know, as soon as you're a grandparent, which nobody can describe how that feels, right? I remember, that's what I tell everybody. You can't describe how it feels. But the minute that you're a grandparent, what for me, people would come up and they would say, oh, now you're grandparents, so you can like love on them and then take them home and leave them. And I would be like, yeah, you can do that. But my favorite thing about being a grandparent is watching my kids parent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I yes. love that the most. Mm-hmm. And I will just say this. They are far and away better parents than we ever were. And somebody will go, oh, no, no, no. But I'm just, that's what we want, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they really are. They really are. They really better. So I just love that. And I love it that my oldest grandchild still wants me to come to things. So just recently she said, now I'm having a birthday thing and all these girls are coming over and they're going to stay. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. She said, do you want to come? I'm like, can I come? (laughs) You know, like I'm waiting for the invitation. Like, can I come? Can I come? And so I go and I hang out and I do that. It's so fun. And, you know, every one of them like one-on-one time, you know, so we try to do that. It's just fun. The other thing that is really good about grandparenting is being able to focus on the things that honestly really matter. 
Yeah. Like, and I say that everything really matters, right? Yeah. Everything yeah. matters. You have to parent, you have to discipline your children, you have to teach them and all of that. But in grandparenting, there's a lot of things that you don't hyper-focus on that you focused on as a parent because you're not in the day-to-day throes of it. I do comply with all of my children's wishes. That's the way to stay in, right? Yeah, right, Kristen? Right. You got to keep being invited. You got to keep right. being invited. You got. I comply with all of that. And, you know, I've bought the organic stuff and I've bought the, you know, the, the non-toxic <laughs> stuff from time to time and Gluten all that free. whole deal. And, and I adhere to the nap times and, you know, I yeah. do all of that. But there are things that I do, you know, that are fun for them. So there was a period of time when they were in a certain stage that we would have Sandy's. We'd have all four of hers over and they'd spend every Thursday night. She was a homeschool mom. So she'd cram it in from Monday to Thursday. And we'd spend every Thursday night and they would come over, spend the night. And we just, I mean, we're it's all or none, right? Yeah. So with pizza, pizza ice cream, <laughs> cookies, the whole thing, popcorn, sugar, um, all, every bit of it, popcorn, ice, and they actually know the regimen. And even though they've gotten older today, whenever they come over, that's what they, they expect. Yeah, and the next yeah. morning is donuts. So <laughs> oh, yeah. and a movie, you know. We, so we had your Owen in the back seat of our car. <laughs> we were transporting him for you because we live. Beth and I live close together, and so we were taking one of her grandchildren. And he was explaining to us the menu of the night. He hadn't, <laughs> he hadn't spoken to you, but it, he knew. He, knew. he, he, he was, knows. I wish y'all could have seen his sweet little face. He was talking about it with such glee. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what was yep, to be expected, know. and he he loved every bit of it. But what one of the things I love watching you grandparent is that you are just so gracious in that you do understand that there's a difference between being a grandparent and a parent and you're so gracious in trying to champion what your children are mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. and to be another voice in your grandchildren's life mimicking the things that their parents are trying to yeah. do in their life and it's such wisdom on your part because especially for the in-law part of it, your mm-hmm. daughter-in-law and your mm-hmm. son-in-law, there's no threat from you because mm-hmm. you're in the game with them, them and they right. feel it. And so they I don't want to lose my privilege, right? <laughs> That's right. You have to behave. <laughs> so I, I have to I, behave. I, I so this weekend when I'm going, I, I I will do everything that my daughter-in-law wants done. And okay. she, you know, she has specific things for her kids and she's sure. a great mom. She is. And so... You know, I want to do what she's doing because That's I don't right. want to make it harder for them when they come. Because I do remember it being harder when mm-hmm. yeah, you have to like yeah. detox, yeah, later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beth, so it seems like you're in a fun season. You know, mm-hmm. now you're like in the other side, and you you learn your ways when you were young, and now like enjoying the hard work you did as a mom and through your kids now and then your grandkids. So you have told us before in part one that you have your mom at home and your mother-in-law, and how does that play? you know, as a role of grandmother, but not also caretaker. It is different season. Mm-hmm. Every parent experiences this, that sends their kids off to college and you weep when they go off to college. Kira, I know you're you're in that. And Kristen, <laughs> you've been through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's terrible. ugly cries. Yeah. I terrible. mean, like, ugly cries. Like your husband thinks you might have to be committed. Yes, yes. right. Yeah. That's the kind, you know, and like, I, for me, I stayed up for 24 straight hours after we got back from Tallahassee leaving mm-hmm. Sandy, and I, like, rearranged her room. I did, oh, yeah. you know, I just couldn't turn into nutcases. You do, you do. Hugging their baby um, blankets. Yeah. Everything. It's awful, awful. But... 
what I will tell you is we, and then in that they leave and they come back and then they get an apartment and then they become an adult and they move back in because they want to save money before they get married. And so it's this back and Dan calls it the vacuum effect. It's this back and forth thing for a while. And so literally we probably had about three years, two and a half, three years of empty nest. And then my mom, yeah. And then my dad passed away in, in 2012 and my mom came back and forth a little bit over the next couple of years, but in 2014 moved in with us. And that was, it's just a huge blessing. I tell young moms all the time, you need to think about who you're marrying and the family you're marrying. And because I would have never dreamed at 19 that we would have been having our mom and mother-in-law with us, you know, but that's, that's what we're doing. So mom moved in in 2014 and then Dan's mom, her husband passed away in 18 and that next year she came a couple of times to visit and then of course this little thing called the pandemic hit and uh, Mm -hmm. she was with us for five months before that hit and then she went back to Georgia and but we offered to her and said hey if you want you know you have a place to stay so she decided she wanted to come back I think it was I think it was being locked down in the in the assisted living for a while but she decided she wanted to come back and stay and it is such a huge blessing I will tell you that I fail at it every day. And so I think I can identify with some of the young moms now who you feel defeated every day because you said this thing or Mm. you didn't say this quite right or you had this tone or you in your heart were rolling your eyes, even if you Mm -hmm. didn't do it visibly. Mm -hmm. As you're working through just practical everyday little things that are challenges. However, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel super blessed. Mm -hmm. I put my arm around my mom this morning and just hugged on her a little bit. And it just is such a sweet thing to have them in our home and for them to be with family and for us to be with them and for our kids and our grandkids to see that we're honoring them as Mm -hmm. parents. I'm fortunate enough that both of them are still pretty, can get around pretty well Mm -hmm. at this point, but that's not always going to be the case. And they're 92 and 94. Wow. They're teenagers. Yeah. And they're still coming to church. And, you know, honestly, this is where, this is where it really is amazing. Your your spouse has to be just a champion Mm -hmm. with you in this. And Dan is. You know, my mom loves him better than me. I, we tease about it all the time. She's all over, you know, Dan works so hard and, oh, Dan this and Dan that. And then, you know, I mean, like everybody knows, you know, my mom's all over that. You're like, okay, mom, he, he's already married. Yeah, yeah. And and the funny thing is Dan knows it and he milks it. Yeah. You know? yeah. He enjoys it. But, no, he's amazing. You know, he mm-hmm. brings him here back and forth to church because of my responsibilities. You know, he's in and out with him a lot. And it's a lot. As some of you already know, Kira, you're walking through a time and a season like that. It's a lot, but I wouldn't give anything for it. It has days of great joy and splashes of joy. And then there's moments where I'll look across the room and I'll go, how did this happen so fast? And when did we get here? And, you know, and and I, I long for the time before. So what I would say is embrace the season you're in while you're in it because it flee flees really quickly. So Bev, when you come to church on Sundays and you're doing all the things that you do, do you ever take a moment to just stop and recognize your family as far as you see your mom, your mother-in-law, and then right down to your youngest that's here, Eden? How does that make you feel that there are literally three generations, 
four generations of your family right here worshiping together every Sunday. That is the joy of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, or I would try to talk Pastor Jimmy into let me go to the West Campus close to my house. But <laughs> I'm coming here. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. It's not because of my job here. It's because of my grandchildren and my But no, I, I do. And, you know, there's Sundays that you can't do it. But, but for the most part, what I really make an effort to do is to go and sit down at the 930 service. That's where... My mom, my mother-in-law are, my husband is. That's where Sandy and Chad and the and the older kids go that are that are sitting in the service. And that just brings so much joy to my heart. I love it. My grandkids run up to me and Grammy. It's like they're they're loving, acknowledging me at church. They hug me. They're not they're not ashamed. And they do that. And you know, everybody here knows Nana and Mama Jane. So mm-hmm. I mean it's just I, I was just yeah. gonna say that that <laughs> somehow your family has become our family. Yeah, this is what we right. always say in the Mom Village how important community mm-hmm. is in a yeah. family church. Because Mama Jane everyone knows everyone her. Everyone knows her. That's like the grandma of everyone. And, and the most stylish if I yeah. if I can say. Oh my yeah. goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well and when she came she got really involved. She was at an age when yeah. she came that she was able to get really involved with Bible study and all that. But now what they do is they set up a card game on Wednesdays and they have other women into the house on Wednesdays and they play cards. Hello. Yeah. It's uh, everybody brings their sandwich and they sit around the table and play cards. Yeah. They're both little fun and sassy pants. You know, they're just like running. But what what a blessing it is that you can have all those generations under Mm. one roof. And usually either time or circumstances or situations actually don't allow you to do that. So it's such a blessing that you can look across either a pew or across the front row and you can see all your generations, but it's also kudos to you because mm, you've done mm-hmm. something right and you share in part one how all that heartache and strong, like God just teaching you and Dan how to be together as a marriage, mm-hmm. how to learn how to think as one has helped you now enjoy and see your generation. I mean, I just pray and ask God that one day he allowed us to do that, my hmm. husband and I. It's making me think back last year, you celebrated, well, we all celebrated with you 25 years mm-hmm. here, here in ministry. Mm-hmm. And do y'all remember that? And mm-hmm. she was up on stage mm-hmm. and her mom, her mother-in-law, her husband, her children, her grandchildren were all up there. Mm-hmm. And Bev doesn't cry that much, but she got a little weepy eyed that morning. <laughs> and so did her kids and her grandkids and everybody was just so proud. So tell us about that. How Give us more insight into how you followed your call to ministry and how you did that while still serving your family. And it's evident that you did both yeah. because they're all up there with you, mm-hmm. proud of you. Well, that was probably one of the most challenging things is being a woman in ministry and raising your family, right? So that has been super challenging. I didn't go into ministry until 1988. So I would have been 30 years old, and Wes was four, and he was in half-day preschool, so I worked part-time. But I just had, you know, and I would tell you this, I was a volunteer. I volunteered, volunteered, volunteered in every way possible in the church that we were in at the time, which was not here. It was in Orlando. And I was leading Bible studies, and I was volunteering in the nursery and all that. And someone called it out of me, you know, Mm -hmm. and said, hey, have you ever really thought about that? And I was like, 
absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. picture this, 1988 yeah. and an independent Baptist church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no women were taboo. in ministry mm-hmm. unless no. they just you were only ran allowed the preschool. To make grapevine wreaths. Yeah. That <laughs> you, that's right. You made grapevine. That's right. You made those wreaths and you kept the kids in the nursery. Yeah. And so that was highly unusual. And I was a little, my, I, I didn't even know what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And I had no formal training, nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what that, so I did what I know how to do. And I said, oh, you know, okay, I'll see how God leads in this and prayed about it. And all that felt like it was what I was supposed to do. And I, I'll never forget going into the building that had been partly storage, partly where everybody dropped off their stuff, and then six classrooms for kids. And they had a Sunday school superintendent who ran it, Dallas McClome. I'll never forget him. A tall, gray-haired man, sweet as pie. Mm-hmm. And he was so excited that I was coming on to start a children's ministry that never had one. And all I knew to do was clean. You know, like, I mean, that's what I need. I'm a clean out OCD. I am an OCD person. I throw it away. So everybody knows that around here. They they staple it or tape it so that I don't throw it away. But I cleaned out all those rooms and set it up and just started just started working in ministry. That's all I knew to do. We started a little thing called Caraway Street, where it was a puppet ministry and, and a live person and puppet type ministry. It really patterned after Sesame Street back in the day. But before too long, so hold on to your seat. Before too long, I was doing children's ministry and different people had left and transitioned on staff. I was heading our visitation on Tuesday nights. I was training our teachers on Wednesday night to do adult ministry in their adult groups, and I started a singles ministry. And I was doing all that in 21 hours a week. Mm. Not. I was going to say that's not. impossible. <laughs> so here's what I would tell you. I and, uh, and to be very transparent, everybody in the church loved me. My kids loved being at church. They were churchites. Mm-hmm. I mean, we opened the doors and closed the doors, and they loved it. They had a blast. We had all kinds of programs, and, and they loved it. But what happened during that time was I began to put ministry, number one, God was second, my children were third, and my husband was fourth. Hmm. Now, anybody hearing this knows that that is not a formula that makes for happy anything. Hmm. And I knew it in my heart, but I was able to cover it enough and justify enough that no one else really knew it. So in 1993, when... Some things happened with my husband's job. We went into full-time ministry for a while, and I don't know if you knew that. We had to raise our own support, (laughs) and we were working in full-time ministry for a year. And then things didn't quite pan out with all of that, and so we ended up having to be moved. And it was God's divine grace and answer, and Dan got a job offer in Boca Raton. Mm -hmm. Well, my heart was broken because I loved being in the ministry. And I didn't want to leave, but we did. And we moved to West Palm Beach so that we could be close to the school we were send our kids to. And for a year, I was miserable. And I knew that I was supposed to be in ministry. The spring had lost my step. I mean, my step had lost the spring. And I really was most miserable because I was a strong believer and knew that this was God's grace saving me from myself. Mm. But I didn't want it. Mm. <laughs> I wanted to be back where I was, right? I wanted to go back to Egypt. Mm. <laughs> right. And so it took a year for God to work with me to transform my heart, to mm. do all of those things. And it was a year, uh, about a year and a half, and I was substituting in the schools, and God was saying, focus on your family, focus on your husband, mm. focus on your family. And so 
God's grace really sustained me that year. And I spent a lot of time in the Word, though I built our home and subbed out our home and taught um, and subbed in the schools a little bit and just trying to find where do you want me, God? And I thought at that time it was at home or it was in the schools with my kids. Mm -hmm. And something happened here at what was then First Baptist Church, but now Family Church. And somebody transitioned out and left and they came to me and said, hey, do you want to do you want to take the position as kids minister? Because we know you've done it before. Can you just can you just get us through this season? Mm. Can you just and <laughs> part time? Twenty five years later, yeah. Yeah. Wait, and part time. Oh yeah. And yeah. so I, take I, a few I, hours. I prayed about it for about a week and said no. Mm. And I said no. And they came back to me a month later and said, "Wow, we really feel like." You're the person God keeps bringing us to, so we're going to offer it to you full-time and permanent. And I prayed about it for three months. What they didn't know was I was praying and trying to understand how in the world would God allow me Hmm. to get back into ministry after I had made such a mess of my priorities Mm -hmm. and ministry life. So I prayed for three solid months and felt like God really released me and said, I'm not finished with you yet. And I know that's true in God's Word, but when you're in the thick of it, you you— have to talk to you and preach to yourself a yeah. little bit. And I felt like God had opened the door. And so December 4th, 1995, I started here and rest is history. Mm-hmm. Did I have some of those initial battles with the balance again? Absolutely. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. few years, it was just yeah. like fighting that all the time. And then as my children got older, I, I was going to say, how old were your children yeah. at that so point? So at that point, Wes was fourth grade and Sandy was seventh when we moved here. So when I started in ministry, he was in the middle of his sixth grade year. Sandy was in her ninth grade year. And so there were some struggles there for a year or so after that. But then I started realizing, man, I, I got to be in it with them to win it. And I, I really didn't miss a thing of theirs. Beth, and we so. just released part two of Mom Guild with Dr. Sarah Rayner. Mm. And she speaks about that specifically, you said, and we called them Mom Guild. But basically, it's when sometimes God takes moms, you know, in a season where you got to be just at home, quiet or silent, mm-hmm. you know, different ways God is speaking. And we have, God has created in us a passion to do so much. And it's good. It's good. But we were talking about sacrifice and how the definition for a mom of sacrifice is very different than what, what the world says about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's a good sacrifice mm-hmm. that we all have to go through in different seasons. And you speaking about that and how God had put all those gifts in you as a good thing, but he was telling you, you got to stand still for a while because I need to work in you something to perfect. So when you're ready to do my work, you are actually ready. Like this time is going to be different. And I love how God is doing, and a lot of moms, I'm pretty sure, encourage how God does that in our lives because Mm -hmm. in in a way he's humbling us which is so hard for us to do, to say no to ourselves. And we talked in that episode about the best example is how God sacrificed his son for us, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes we don't we don't want to sacrifice things, you. you know, as moms. But we don't know that in the other side, God has so much more in store for us. So, Bev, you're a pioneer of women in ministry. So when you came on to what was previously First Baptist, were you the only woman on staff? Yes. Yes. The ministry assistants yes. or secretaries, we called them at the time, and the preschool director. I'm sorry. There was okay. a preschool director that was here. So so over the last 25 years, 30, I mean, even longer, 30 years that you've been in ministry as a woman, what have been some of the struggles 
that, and you can be honest. If I get a pink slip, I'm okay. So <laughs> I can be honest. I can be honest. Well, one thing, I had two older brothers. So I'm comfortable in a boy's world. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't bother me. In fact, I'm probably more comfortable in that, to mm-hmm. be honest. So that that part never bothered me. And I can remember early on going on retreats with all the guys. And so they would get this house and that Bev would get a room, you know, so <laughs> not not a room in that house, like a separate place, you know, and like I had the one room and, and we'd bring we'd bring another one of the ministry assistants yeah. along, you know, and it was just two of us. So I, I remember those days and sitting in so many meetings and, and places being the only woman. I have always felt a respect from the men around the table for me, mm-hmm. honestly. And I think it's because I respect the men around the table. Mm-hmm. I never came in and and don't want to be now. Like, I, I want to do my job. And I really, for so long, all I did was just kind of like that horse with blinders. I just put my head down and I just thought, this is what God's called me to do and I'm doing it. And I'm not thinking about, well, I'm a woman doing it. I don't ever think about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I recognize gender, but I don't ever think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never think, oh, I'm the woman in the room. I just don't, I don't think that and I don't feel that. And honestly, for uh, the men around the table, I'm, I don't feel, and, and I'm sure I have at times, no doubt, because I'm I'm pretty straightforward and can be blunt. Really? Think. <laughs> yeah, my granddaughter just reminded me of that recently. She <laughs> said, you're straightforward, but I like it. It's you okay. Know? My husband yeah, loves yeah. you because yeah. he's the same way. But. I think that we have to make sure that the men around the table understand they have a role in the position and theirs is important too. And I'm not coming in trying to go, well, I'm better than you. I'm not. And I've never been the I am woman embracing that kind of thing. I've just felt like I had a call and I knew what I was supposed to do. And I just did it. So I don't don't know if that answers your question. But one thing I do tell women in ministry and when you're married, my husband is my lid. Mm. Every mm. for every woman in ministry, your husband is your lid. He either opens the lid or he closes it. And my husband was so gracious early on because he he loved me. He loved seeing me enjoy it. And so a lot of that he never reined in that got out of whack because he knew I loved it so much. And it was hard for him to but the we did have hard conversations, you know, and then he has become the one that has said, don't you think you've been down there quite enough? You need to be home. But, you know, it's really hard for a woman at the table to tell her boss, hey, I need to be home with my husband because they're like, because as a woman, you're thinking, well, then they're going to think they need a man in this place then because mm-hmm. no woman would question that as much mm-hmm. as the men yeah. question it, you know, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you weren't home to fix dinner or you weren't home. But my husband is... Honestly, he is a servant like no other. Mm -hmm. And our motto is whoever hits the door first cooks, starts cooking. You know, and I mean, he likes enough of that. He's creative enough that he doesn't mind that. I mean, he just is a servant. I could not do this without him doing Mm -hmm. that. And at one point, it's really funny, he used to serve in our teens ministry. And then when I came on staff, he was still serving in the teens ministry here. And then when I started our kids worship, which took a lot more time, just given to that. He said, you know what? I've figured out, and he loved the volunteers I was working with because I'd have them over and we'd do different things. He said, I figured out if I'm, if we're going to really be able to spend the time and me enjoy and be a champion for your ministry, I've got to get in it with you. He said, so I'm going to come to that workshop that you're putting mm-hmm. on for the puppeteers. And we were starting a kid's ministry. We'd never had one before. We started a uh, kid's worship. Sorry, never had one before. 
And 23 years later, he's still a puppeteer behind the scenes. So he's still doing it. You know, he just, he loves it. But he, if he was not that and alongside it with me, I couldn't do what I do. So do you still have a desire to do something else? You know, you have, you have shared with us in part one and part two, all these great things and, and the ups and downs and the good, bad and the ugly, but does Bev Bonner still has something in her heart other than finishing The Amazing Master? You told us your point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, do you feel like the Lord still has a little bit in your heart that you're like, you know what? Maybe nobody knows, but I still have the desire to do this. Yeah. So Dan and I talk a lot. Obviously, we're at that season of our life where we talk a whole bunch about <laughs> not working. <laughs> we talk a whole bunch yeah. about that. And everybody would know that, you know, and, and we don't really have a timeline that's close yet. And so um, we're still working. We're still, we've still got our lives involved in the church and everything else. I think what I can do even now and what I can do in the future, I really have a heart for the local church. I love the Mm -hmm. local church. I always have, and I have a heart, a big heart to help other churches with anything that I've learned. Mm -hmm. So I love volunteers. That's my passion. I love I love sitting with someone and getting them to get into leadership and watching that light bulb go off in mm-hmm. them because I know what serving has done for me all my life. Mm-hmm. So I love that. So I would love going and working with churches and helping them with their volunteer teams, helping them recruit, helping them do all of that, helping them know how to do that and just talking with them about some things that I've learned along the way. I mean, whether it's, somebody did that with yeah, you because you shared right. with us at the beginning, it was just somebody that came to you. That's right. And you're like, I am not equipped. I don't think I can do it. And they're like, well, I believe in you. You can do it. And 25 years later, here mm-hmm. you are. Yeah. Well, Kira's got our last question for us, but I just want to say along that note, guess who she guess who she did this with, the the desire of her heart that to train the next people. She just did this with my son Daniel Aww. two weeks ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So sort he, of. So, so yeah. well you yeah, and your I team. Did. Yeah, our team um, did. So my my son is on staff at a church in First Baptist Naples, a couple hours from here. Because I get to see <laughs> yeah, that's right. And when he had a question about how to do do next steps and all of that with his church. He came to none other than Bev Bonner. Hashtag, would you go hashtag to? the boss. He, he yes. wa- he's watched her over the years mm. do all of that so well. And so I'm personally grateful because now she's not just an encouragement to me, but she's helping to disciple Just for a village to know, Bev, it's not like we're speaking, we, we keep speaking so highly of her. Yes, we love her, but she is the woman that if there's something dying here in ministry, just give it to fine, Bev fine and it's going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Kira? So, Bev, we have literally spent the last hour just the the entire gamut of, and I know it's just a a couple snippets of your life from ministry to being a wife, to being a mom, to being a grandmother. But if you could leave our audience with just one thought, what is something that you wish you had known earlier that you could give a piece of advice that you can give to moms now? Well, there's so many things, right? But the first thing that comes to my mind that I think we all have to be mindful of is to embrace every moment you have and that there are seasons of life. And it's okay if during this season, God's doing this with you and it's a quiet season and it's Mm -hmm. a time where you're having to just be home and read and pray and let God do a work in you. Or if it's a season where you're busy with your kids or if it's a season where now my attention has turned this way and I need to do this. So I think if I knew that you 
can make such an impact when you take the season of your life and say, this is what I'm going to do during Mm -hmm, this time. And the intentionality of that really bears a lot of fruit. Do we have to be done? No. I know. Can I I ask you one more thing? One more quick thing, because what you just said to me, I think is so rich. How can they identify the season? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of moms are probably, let's see, the silent season or the season when they got to work. How can you tell our moms, listen, yes, you're in this season, you're probably in in a very overwhelming season. But what is it? What is that tool? And we know it's Christ and and community Mm -hmm. helps with that. But how can you tell our moms, hey, listen, you probably cannot identify you're in this season. But if you what? Trust or if you do this, like I've learned, what is that? that they can get encouraged by it. And you're smiling because you know what you're going to (laughs) say. Well, it's what I always go back to, which is Psalm 37, 4. Hmm. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And what that means is if you love God, he'll give you everything you want. No, (laughs) right? If you delight yourself in the Lord, that he will place the desires in your heart that he wants you to have. So Mm -hmm. if you're walking with the Lord, if you'll lean into him, if you'll John 15, 5, and you'll be the branches in the vine. If you'll just immerse yourself in the Lord, commit yourself to the Lord, and he'll establish your thoughts. If you will focus first on your relationship with the Lord and ask him, what season do I, what season, he may not say you're in the fall season or the springs. (laughs) What what do I need to do in this season that I'm in? Mm-hmm. And honestly, it may come by your greatest need that is right in front of your face, mm-hmm. where one of your children needs you more than the other, or this season of, you know, they're in the teen years and you've got other children too, but man, I need to focus on this because what they're walking through. I think it comes to us as moms if we're asking for it and we ask the Lord Amen. to show us what do we need to be focusing on right now? Where, God, do you want me to direct my hand. Where do you want to direct my feet? Amen. Oh, I'm going to have to stop it right there because we're about to make a service here. (laughs) But we'll definitely have Bev Bonner back. Thank you so much, Bev, for all your wisdom, Mm. all that amazing information. It's just too much. Please go back to part one and come back to this part Mm. two and listen, share, like, share with a friend. I mean, don't keep it to yourself. Friends don't keep good things to themselves. Mm. But this has been a Mom Village with Bev Bonner. We're going to say goodbye. Thank you, ladies, so much. And thank Thank you, Beth, for joining us. Ready, ladies? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.